Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends, welcome back to Nerd Explosion, the weekly podcast where based on a monthly theme I nerd out about whatever I want. As always, I'm your host, Dustin Henderson. This month is Stranger Things Month, and we've already covered Season 1, we've already covered Season 2, and today's episode, we move on to, actually, what is my favorite season out of all of them so far, is Season 3. I love season three so much. There's just so much to it. I, there's a lot of lovable characters to it. Uh, you know how this goes by now if you've been listening, if you've been following along with the Stranger Things episodes. You know, I'm going to go over the plot, go over some stuff about it. And once again, I took to Reddit to ask people what their favorite moments were. But this time I did something a little different. I asked people what their best and worst moments were. Well, best or worst, or both if they want to do it. And a lot of people... Give me, you know, examples of both. So, there's that. Understand? <laughs> so, there's going to be all that. Before we get started, I, you know, as always, new podcast episodes come out every Saturday. So, make sure you like, follow, just do whatever. Just click on things, click here, click there. Even click off of my podcast. Who knows? <laughs> God, Lord knows I'm not, you know, up to the level of Joe Rogan. Although, I guess to get to his level, I would need to be an annoying conservative. But anyway, that's not here or there. <laughs> We're talking about Stranger Things today. So, let's just move on, shall we? Let's move on to Stranger Things Season 3. Look at what you see. In her face. The mirror of your dreams. Make believe I'm everywhere. Given in the light. Written on the pages is the answer to a never ending story. Ah. Alright, so what I'm actually going to do with this episode, I'm going to do something a little different than I've usually done where. I just read off like an entire plot summary, but the original one I had took me like 15 minutes alone to go through. So I was like, mm, I don't think people are going to be about that. So what I'm going to do instead, while me and my wife are currently eating pizza, she's right next to me. Say hello. Hi. But basically, I'm just going to go over each episode's like summary and then try to remember some moments for it and uh, just, you know, what I loved about each episode. So starting with chapter one, Susie Diutapi. In June 1984, Soviet scientists attempt to force open a new gate to the Upside Down. One year later, in Hawkins, the popularity of the new Starcourt Mall has forced many local businesses to close, angering townspeople. Mike and Eleven have begun a romantic relationship, much to Hopper's chagrin. He later threatens Mike into agreeing not to see her. Dustin returns from summer camp and sets up a radio tower to contact his new girlfriend, Susie, where his friends ditch him and he instead intercepts a Russian transmission. Will privately senses that the Mind Flayer may still be alive. Rats congregate in a mill and explode into an organic mess. On his way to a central encounter with Karen, Billy is run off the road by an unseen creature and dragged inside the mill. So yeah, the basics of that, you know, everybody's getting ready for a summer vacation. Dustin comes home from a summer camp and is like, hey, I built this big radio. I'm going to contact my girlfriend. Everybody's like, you don't have a girlfriend. He's like, yes, I do. She's totally real. And then he fails to contact her. Then, you know, they see a movie, Will has, like, little, he gets little goosebumps because, I guess, the Mind Flayer is still, you know, roaming around. 
And the Mind Flayer's next victim is Max's stepbrother, Billy. Which, they don't even mention that Lutus and Max get into a relationship in this. And Billy is actually the new lifeguard of the community pool. And Karen Wheeler has, like, a weird obsession with him. Dustin gets a Russian transmission. And I don't, I don't know if it's in this episode, but he eventually seeks the help of Steve and his new co-worker, Robin, to, you know, help decode it. Live, love, Robin. Chapter 2, The Mole Rats. Billy escapes the mill after the creature induces a vision of the Upside Down where he meets a doppelganger. Tormented by further visions and voices, Billy is guided by the creature into kidnapping his fellow lifeguard, Heather Holloway, and bringing her to the creature. Nancy and Jonathan, working as interns at the Hawkins Post, investigate the home of Mrs. Driscoll, an elderly woman concerned about rabid rats eating her fertilizer, and they overlook one of the rats exploding. Max and Eleven bond to distract themselves from Mike and Lutus while shopping at Starcourt. Eleven breaks up with Mike after he lies to her to avoid seeing her after Hopper threatens him. I dump your ass. Joyce investigates a strange loss of magnetism among objects at her home and workplace, accidentally standing Hopper up for a date. Dustin reunites with Steve, who works at the mall's ice cream parlor with Robin, former classmate. The three translate the Russian radio message and determine that it must be a code. So yeah, it's in the second one where he meets back up with Steve, which is probably one of my favorite moments. Where he just shows up and then he's like, hi, I'm Dustin. And Robin's like, I'm Robin. And Dustin's like, nice to meet you. Is he here? And then Steve just comes out of the bat just, Henderson. And that's going to be my favorite moment of the entire episode. Uh, chapter 3, The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. Eleven uses her powers to spy on Mike and later Billy, who senses her presence. She and Max discover that Billy has gone missing. Nancy and Jonathan find reports of missing fertilizer and strange behavior among rats across town, and they discover Mrs. Driscoll herself eating fertilizer in her home. Will fights with Lucas and Mike while they are upset over Eleven and Max and retreats to Castle Byers, which he then destroys. Robin decodes the Russian communication, pointing to a shipment arriving at Starcourt that night. She, Dustin, and Steve spot armed Russian soldiers making the delivery. Joyce convinces Hopper that the demagnetization stems from an electromagnetic device at the abandoned Hawkins lab. When they investigate, Hopper is attacked by Gregory, a Russian soldier. Max and Eleven track down Billy and Heather at the home of Heather's parents. After they leave, Billy and Heather subdue her parents, which Will senses just as Mike and Lucas find him, and he reveals to them that the Mind Flayer is still alive. I think that episode, my favorite moment, I mean, it's a sad moment, but my favorite moment has got to be, you know, Will destroying Castle Byers. Because, I mean, it's so sad, but it's such a good moment. You know, Noah, Noah Schnapp was really on his on his game with that scene. Chapter 4, The Sauna Test. Billy and Heather bring her parents to the mill, where they are possessed by the Mind Flayer, now a physical creature composed of flesh from the rats. Hopper recalls Gregory meeting with town mayor Larry Klein, he and Joyce force Klein to reveal that Starcourt Mall is a Russian front buying abandoned properties across Hawkins. At Starcourt, Dustin, Steve, and Robin, alongside Lucas's sister Erica, discover that the mall's loading dodge is an elevator which traps them beneath the mall. Nancy and Jonathan are fired by their boss, Heather's father, for harassing Mrs. Driscoll. Nancy visits Mrs. Driscoll at the hospital out of suspicion and watches her become possessed by the Mind Flayer. Will reveals his connection with the Mind Flayer to Mike, Lucas, Eleven, and Max, speculating that it has possessed Billy. They devise a plan to trap Billy in the pool sauna to confirm he is possessed, but Billy escapes and nearly kills them until Eleven subdues him. 
Billy returns to the mill, where dozens of town people have since been possessed by the Mind Flayer. Chapter 5, The Flayed Hopper and Joyce search one of the abandoned properties, discovering a hidden lab. Grigori arrives to kill them, and they narrowly escape with a hostage, a Russian scientist named Alexei, in tow. Dustin, Steve, Robin, and Erica arrive in a Russian lab underneath Startor and hide from Russian soldiers unloading crates from the elevator. Attempting to find a communications room, the group discovers a large testing area where scientists try to force open a portal to the Upside Down. As Alexei does not speak English, Hopper and Joyce take him to Murray, the only Russian speaker they know, to translate. Grigori tries to follow them but loses the trail. Nancy and Jonathan regroup with well Mike, Lutus, Eleven, and Max, and then theorize that Billy and Dristel are both possessed by the Mind Flayer, who uses them to flay, or possess, people to create an army. The group decides to visit Dristel at the hospital to learn more, but finds her gone. They are attacked by Tom and Bruce, who are now of the flayed, and dissolve into a single organic mass resembling the Mind Flayer after Nancy and Jonathan kill them. Chapter 6 E Pluribus Unum Eleven, who had just then reconciled with Mike, uses her powers to incapacitate the Mind Flayer, forcing it to flee to the mill. In the Russian lab beneath Starcourt, Steve and Robin are captured, drugged, and interrogated, but Dustin and Erica manage to rescue them. With Murray translating, Hopper and Joyce hold Alexei hostage, forcing him to reveal that the Russians are attempting to access the Upside Down, and that they are opening a portal beneath Starcourt. Hopper calls Owens to warn the U.S. government of the threat, but Joyce insists they return to Hawkins immediately, fearing that their kids may be involved. Grigori corners Klein at Hawkins Independence Day Fair, demanding he step up efforts to find Hopper. Mike argues with Max about relying on Eleven's powers and inadvertently admits his love for Eleven. To find the Mind Flare, Eleven uses her powers in an attempt to physically communicate with Billy, learning of his troubled childhood and finding the Mind Flare at the mill. Billy senses Eleven's presence, giving the Mind Flare access to her location, and reveals that the Mind Flare plans to kill her and avenge her closing the gate. The flay converge on the mill, dissolving into, into an organic mass and merging with the Mind Flare. I think, real quick, before I move on with that episode, there is actually a quote that I saved somewhere that Billy says. I think it's during, you know, at some point during this whole part. Uh, let me see. I have to scroll through here. I saved it somewhere, and I can't remember where where it is. Okay, I found it here. So, one of the things that Billy says, and it's actually really good acting from uh, Decker Montgomery, he's like, Now I see you. We all see you. You let us in, and now you're going to have to let us stay. Like, I love, like, as much as people hated Billy because of how much he's, um, how much of an asshole he was, I really liked Billy's, you know, character in this, because even though, you know, him possessed, I feel like he's the perfect host for the Mind Flayer, just because, like, everything he's done, how willing he was, and just how much of a, a villain he became. I will say, like, as like as much of an asshole as Billy was, I really liked him, you know, I love possessed Billy more than just normal Billy. That actor really does a really good job, like, being the bad guy, and, like, Billy, from the beginning, to me, was one of those characters that, like, I loved him, but I hated him. And I couldn't decide if I loved him or hated him more. But that's just, like, that's how the Duffer brothers write their characters, you know? Yeah. See, that's my thing, too. I just love people that are able to play a good villain. That's why I like Tom Felton from, you know, Harry Potter, because he was able to play Draco, 
you know, really well. Uh, chapter 7, The Bite. Eleven and the others determined the Mind Flayer is coming for her, since she was the one who previously closed the gate. Will senses the Mind Flayer approaching. The Mind Flayer attacks and injures Eleven before they flee. Dustin and Erica dragged a drudge Steve and Robin to the movie theater in Starkwart. Eleven's group breaks into a supermarket to help treat her wounds and gather more supplies. Dustin contacts them over a walkie-talkie to try to explain the situation before he loses battery power. Eleven uses her powers to find Dustin, and the group take off for the mall. Steve admits he has feelings for Robin, but she comes out to him as a lesbian. Hopper's group makes their way to the fairgrounds in Hawkins to find the children, where they are spotted by Klein, who alerts the Russians. Grigori fatally shoots Alexei in front of Murray. Murray, Hopper, and Joyce evade several Soviet agents and learn the agents are looking for the children at the mall. Eleven's group arrives at the mall in time to stop the Russians from shooting Dustin's group. Eleven collapses in front of the children, her wound pulsing. I definitely think my favorite moments from this episode have got to be the just the talk between Steve and Robin and him finally being like, hey, like, I really like you, and then Robin being like, you know, you're a sweet guy, Steve, but unfortunately, like, I'm not your type. Or I should say, or, you know, Steve isn't really her type. But the one thing I hated about this episode, they did my boy Alexi so goddamn dirty. Yeah, they did. Like, he was just trying to have a good time. He was just trying to be, you know, be an American, just have fun. You know, he was impressing all the kids, and then he was just so happy he won his little Woody Woodpecker thing. He's like, hey, Murray, look what I won. And then the guy just comes up and fucking shoots him dead. I just, ah! I need justice for Alexi. If season five doesn't have any justice for Alexi, I'm going to riot. I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to the Duffer Brothers. All right. Chapter eight, The Battle of Starcourt. Eleven rids herself of the piece of the Mind Flayer embedded in her wound, rending her powerless. Hopper's group arrives, and the plans are made to take Eleven's group to safety. At the same time, Hopper, Joyce, and Murray destroy the machine, with Dustin and Erica navigating them from his, his radio tower. Billy and the Mind Flayer trap Eleven's group at the mall. The others attack the Mind Flayer with fireworks as Eleven frees Billy from its control. Billy sacrifices himself to protect Eleven, Mike, and Max. Hopper fights and kills Grigori, getting trapped with the machine in the process. Out of time, Joyce is forced to trigger an explosion, closing the gate, with Hopper seemingly being disintegrated in the process. The Mind Flayer's physical body dies as Dr. Owens arrives with military forces. Three months later, the deaths are co covered up, Starcourt is destroyed, and a disgraced Klein is arrested. The Byers family and a still powerless Eleven prepare to move out of Hawkins, Mike and Eleven confess their love for each other and make plans to meet at Thanksgiving. In Kamchatka, Russia, guards are instructed to feed a prisoner, but not the American, to a captured demigordon. And that is a perfect end to season three. But yeah, my favorite thing, I guess my favorite moments out of all this is uh, just Eleven just using all her strength possible to rid herself of the Mind Flayer, but at the cost of her powers. Which plays into season four really nicely, but you know, I'll get to that when I get to that. But yeah, they just just the ending too, the the post credit scene where all of a sudden you're in this like Russian compound and there's these guards walking down the hall and one goes to one of the doors and the other guard says, "No, not the American." And then they drag this poor guy out to this little this big like room just of nothing and this door opens and it's Demi Dorden and that's literally the last thing you see before the credits roll. And I just, 
I just really love that. Uh, season three as a whole, I just super loved. Um, but like last time, I'm going to go to Reddit and share with you what other people thought were their best slash worst moments of season three. All right. So now here we are on Reddit. I got some good responses from people starting from the top. I love Hamilton 3000 says one of the most moving scenes in season three for me is Will destroying Castle Byers. All of his friends were growing up faster than him and getting girlfriends while he was trying to hold on to his childhood and figure out who he was. Castle Byers was shown so many times in previous seasons as Will's safe space and the place he could truly be happy to see him tear it down while sobbing really hit hard. Not to mention that Noah did a superb job with his acting in that scene. That's exactly what I was saying before. Like He did really good with that scene and it's just such a powerful metaphor for everything because it's him finally realizing like his childhood's dead. Like, his childhood is officially dead, and his his friends care more about girls than, you know, playing D&D with him. That scene is a physical, literal representation, a visual representation, excuse me, of Will stripping his childhood away from him. He's literally ripping his childhood apart by destroying Castle Byers. Uh, Patchwork Girl 82 says... I honestly can't stand the scenes at the newspaper office, and it's not because of the harassment, but it kills the pacing on the first two episodes. There's a lot of things in season three I didn't used to like, and I've come around to, but it does feel like they needed to find something for Nancy and Jonathan to do until they meet up with the kids at the hospital. Edit. My favorite scene was the mall montage with Max and Elle, just two kids running around a mall with a credit card, loaded on sugar and being silly like normal 80s kids. I miss those days. I gotta say, that's one of my favorite moments, too. Ma- uh, Max and Elle just running around a mall just having fun. Okay. Yeah, Mochi? I really hope the microphone picked that up. But uh, anyway, listen, yeah, that scene with Max and Elle just running around. I think the song that plays during that scene is Material Girl by Madonna. And what more fitting song could play during that montage than Material Girl by Madonna? Freddie, you're supposed to be on lockdown. But Vanessa, I'm a Material Girl. Uh, the scenes of the newspaper office, I kind of have to agree with them here. Because, I mean, one, it's definitely, you know, Nancy's dealing with misogynists at her job. I mean, this is the 80s, so... That's kind of how things were. Not saying it's right, but that's how things were. But I do kind of agree, it kind of does kill the pacing. Because it kind of feels like they just needed something to do until they met up with everyone else. I mean, there was some important things with the rats, but they just kind of, they just kind of, you know, they wanted them to fill in. They wanted to fill in different scenes. What are my usuals on these kind of posts? ITAA underscore Q says, the best sauna scene. So... I imagine, you know, the scene where they trap Billy in the sauna and try to rid him of the Mind Flayer or whatever. Uh, Eleven entering Billy's mind, followed by the Mind Flayer talking to her. Jonathan cutting Elle's leg open. I love the intensity of the scene. I do too, kind of. You know, just that whole scene was very intense. I think in that specific scene too, like, that just shows, like, Jonathan as a character. Like, what kind of big brother. He, he, He didn't even hesitate. He was like, we got to rip this open and fish this out so that we can, like, fix it. And he just, like, I mean, he treats those kids like, like, they're all, like, they're, you can tell that they're all important to him. Whereas, like, Steve loves the kids, but he's always, and I quote, the goddamn babysitter. But, like, Jonathan is, like, very quiet and reserved, but will also kill anybody, like, for, you know what? Does that make sense? Do you see? Pick, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, 
that makes actually makes a lot of sense to me. Like Jonathan is kind of like kind of like Steve, but Steve is always doing it like he pretends that he doesn't like doing it, but you know he he would do it either way. Whereas Jonathan is very upfront about how much he cares. Right. Steve is just like, yeah, I guess I'll save you guys, even though it's what I'm. Goddamn babysitter. <laughs> but, um, let's see. They say, worst. Personally, I hated the Stoops troop breaking into the super lab. It made the Russians look completely incompetent. I did, I mean, that whole thing. I, personally, I liked it, but I do see where they're coming from. Just, you know, these big Russian bad guys, these Russian scientists, all got foiled by a group of teenagers. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. Speedy3702 says, Best scene? Sauna test climax. Again, great scene. Worst scene? Lucas literally doing a new Coke commercial when they were supposed to be worried about Dustin. I mean, sure. I guess there that was a thing with uh, this season. They did. They actually brought back new Coke, which was a thing they did in the 80s. I don't remember how it was new Coke or whatever. But they brought it back for a limited uh, limited time when season three came out. They're like, hey, we're going to bring back the 80s. Actually, I'll get to that after I uh, get through all this Reddit stuff. To Speedy's post, Acrobatic Resolve uh, underscore 96 replied, I almost turned off the TV at that point with the new coke thing. And then they replied back with, nice that I'm not the only one who hated the new coke scene. It often gets forgotten when people talking about bad scenes, but for me, it perfectly symbolized what, in my opinion, went wrong in season three, where the writers basically prioritized trading forced internet memes over being the respectful, over being respectful towards integrity of the characters and the bonds between them. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. You know what? I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. I feel like, and then I don't know, I don't remember who said it, but somebody else just said like the with the nancy and jonathan thing like season three was good but it definitely had its pacing issues Mm -hmm. like i feel like the the, what did they what did they just call them the scoops troop the scoops troop yeah the scoops troop like they were doing too much too fast i feel like and then it then on the flip side of that jonathan and nancy were just kind of dragging their feet like i feel like they could have paced it better you know yeah, and one thing I just thought of with pacing, and now that I think about it, I do have a problem with the whole Nancy Jonathan thing, because, hey, you know, they found out about the rats, right? They knew something was going on with the rats, but they dragged that out to, like, four episodes, whereas we all knew shit was going on from, like, episode one. Right, and it's like, how how long can you center around these these rats? Like, they're fucking rats. Like, we get it. They're being controlled okay, by the Mind Flare. we get it. They're under a spell. <laughs> They're controlled by the Mind Flare. We get it. We already know this by now. Uh, SunBob2279 says, I don't like Billy, but his sacrifice was an amazing moment. So was Dragori's death. Worst was either Mary Klein beatdown, didn't like how far Hopper went, or the never-ending story song. How fucking dare you? That was a masterpiece. That was a masterpiece. How dare you? The never-ending story scene was fantastic. It was iconic. I mean, I get, I get that you may not like it as far as like the episode. Like, hey, we're going to randomly sing the song in the middle of this whole thing. But it's still iconic, and it's the one thing a lot of people remember. And it's also how I opened this episode, god damn it. Okay, what's the username that just had that opinion? Sunpop2279. Sunpop2279. Um, hot take. 
I agree with you about the never ending story thing. Hear me out. Okay. <laughs> Hear me out. It was really cute. It was a really cute moment and it was just like, ah. But at the same time, I was kind of like, checks watch. Like, okay, we're like trying to stop the end of the world here. Do we, can we pick it up a little bit? Like, <laughs> I just felt like it was really cute. And if it was in a different part of the show, then maybe I just feel like where they put it, it didn't really fit or make a whole lot of sense. On that note, the Billy sacrifice, I agree with that too. Billy was a fucking asshole throughout the entire se- season. But at that end, at the end, he chose to sacrifice himself to save his sister, who, by the way, he can't fucking stand. Mm. So it was just one of those moments that, like, Okay, maybe on some level he does love her. Like, he does care about her and wants her to continue and realizes that, like, oh, this is a bad thing. You know what I mean? Independent Ice 5977 says, My favorite was probably Murray's rant about Joyce and Hopper while driving to the fair. Yes! (laughs) My least favorite was when Hopper locked Mike in his car and threatened to possibly beat him up or something if he didn't lie to Eleven. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I agree with both, actually. I do agree with the least favorite there because Hopper was just, I mean, obviously he didn't know how to be a dad and he was just new to this whole thing, but he also went a little too far, but that kind of plays into his character, I think. So I can't really fault him too bad for that because that kind of plays into his character of who he was. And this is before, you know, his character growth, like halfway through the season. Anyway, uh, yeah, Murray's whole thing, he was just... Because I think Alexi was just really curious about Joyce and Hopper, and Murray had to tell him the whole thing. And of course, Joyce and Hopper can't understand them because they're speaking Russian. But my favorite thing is Murray is like, "I heard they haven't had sex yet," and then they both just start laughing. And I think they kind of, I think Hopper and Joyce kind of picked up on that because all of a sudden Joyce had this like disgusted look on her face, and they're just laughing and there's whatever. But yeah, I like those two. Emperor Boston says best. Will destroying Castle Byers is just super emotional. Always gets a little tear in my eye. Hopper's letter, or the whole section with the Byers moving, that's what I like to call the A++ game of this show. The Sonnet Test is really good on all of its fronts. Worst. Hopper's weird obsession on Joyce, especially early season. The amount of humor in the first two episodes. Terminator. Oh. Uh, I was For a second, I was like, T- fucking Terminator, what? But that's probably referring to uh, Grigori. Because he was very, very Terminator-esque. Didn't say much. Only trained to kill. Yeah, I didn't care for Grigori. Uh, Hopper's weird obsession on Joyce. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can kind of see that. Like, in the, at least really early, at least the first few episodes, Hopper has like a weird obsession with Joyce, and he's just really concerned. But I mean, you know, he's he's really into her. They really bonded. So, you know, I can't be too hard on the guy. He's just he's trying to get some. He's hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. Uh, oh, with Hopper's letter, that's another thing I have saved somewhere, and I kind of want to read that off. And uh, post post episode, Cameron will put in some fancy edits to make it sound a lot better. Here is Hopper's letter in full, and this is actually a really emotional end to like the last episode before the post credit scene. There's something I wanted to talk to you both about. I know this is a difficult situation, but I care about you both very much. 
and I know that you care about each other very much. And that's why it's important that we set these boundaries moving forward, so we can build an environment where we all feel comfortable, trusted, and open to sharing our feelings. Feelings, Jesus. The truth is, for so long I've forgotten what those even were. I've been stuck in one place, in a cave, you might say. A deep, dark cave. Then, I left some egos out in the woods, and you came into my life for the first time in a long time. I started to feel things again. I started to feel happy. But lately, I guess I've been feeling distant from you. Like you're pulling away from me or something. I miss playing board games every night, making triple-decker, ego extravaganzas at sunrise, watching westerns together before we doze off. But I know you're getting older. Growing. Changing. And I guess, if I'm being really honest, that's what scares me. I don't want things to change, so I think maybe that's why I came in here. To try to, maybe, stop that change. To turn back the clock. To make things go back to how they were. But I know that's naive. It's just not how life works. It's moving. Always moving, whether you like it or not. And yeah, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's sad. And sometimes it's surprising. Happy. So you know what? Keep on growing up, kid. Don't let me stop you. Make mistakes. Learn from them. And when life hurts you, because it will, remember the hurt. The hurt is good. It means you're out of that cave. But please, if you don't mind, for the sake of your poor old dad, keep the door open three inches. Dad. dad. Emotions! <laughs> and the last comment we got on here is from Min Min Hope. Best. Billy's We Are Gonna End Everyone monologue. You can't spell America without Erica. Honestly, the entire last episode has the best pacing of any episode in Stranger Things for me, and the fireworks scene with the flesh with the mind flare, wow. Overall, love the humor of this season. I do agree. There was really good humor in this season, and the last episode was a great way to just end off everything. But contrary to that, this person also said their worst is the pacing, it's especially compared to the other seasons of the first few episodes, is too unengaging. The Rabid Rats plotline feels like a recycled storyline from past seasons. I know a lot of people think season 3 is meh because of the amount of humor and loss of spookiness. Personally, I don't mind the bright, summery vibe because I thought it was executed well, even if it's different from the feel of other seasons. I do see that. like There is more of a positive vibe to this season but that's because you know it's summer vacation but the pacing did really did really have some issues you know at multiple points but i think overall it was just you know it was still a really good season definitely top top of the seasons for me i think i can sum up season three in um what one of my favorite podcast people affectionately calls uh good not great which one is that and that's why we drink Oh, okay. Um, if I had to pick my my best moments from season three, I would definitely th- say uh, Billy's sacrifice. Um, I would just I'll put the never ending story scene in there because I just I just really like it. Uh, worse for me now that now that I think about it, I definitely will have to say the pacing, especially the whole like rabid rats plotline because now that I really think back to it, it really didn't really it didn't need to be there, like. We already knew they were exploding. We just needed, we just needed Billy kidnapping people. We didn't need the whole thing with the rats. Like the rats just felt really unnecessary. Uh, before I close out this episode, I do want to list off some uh, fun facts. Now I'm kind of doing this in uh, 
kind of reverse order from last time because I did fun facts and then the Reddit thing, but I'm going to end this episode with fun facts because it's my podcast and I can do whatever I want. You're not my dad. So actually, I found something really interesting in uh, tie-ins on Wikipedia. There's a lot of uh, things that there's there's actually uh, Netflix actually partnered with 75 companies to produce tie-in products to promote season three, one of which being Swedish apparel retailer H&M offered a clothing collection that includes pieces worn on screen by several of the series actors on May 24th, 2019. The advertisement campaign for the clothing and accessory lines features Dakari Montgomery as a model and revolves around his character's summer job as a lifeguard. The Coca-Cola Company revived their ill-received new Coke soft drink for a limited-time production run in the month leading up to the season's release. The unpopular soft drink was released around the time frame of the season's setting, and a number of episodes featured the beverage prominently placed within the frame. New Coke was sold at special upside-down vending machines in some United States cities and through Coca-Cola's web store. I have a question. A really dumb question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Yes. Is New Coke just the formula that did not have cocaine in it? Um, I don't know. Let's let's look it up, shall we? Because I don't remember when... I don't remember when they changed the formula and took literal drugs out of it. New Coke was a new formula for the soft drink Coca-Cola, introduced by Coca-Cola Company in 1985. By 1985, Coca-Cola had been losing market share to diet soft drinks and not cola beverages for several years. Blind taste tests suggested that consumers preferred the sweeter taste of the competing product Pepsi, and so the Coca-Cola recipe was reformulated. The American public reacted negatively, and New Coke was considered a major failure. Um, let's see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see, like, what what is different about it? Is it just is it just sweeter? Is it is it supposed to be sweeter? Because they said that people preferred Pepsi over it. Then because Pepsi, oh, they stopped putting cocaine in Coca Cola in 1903. <laughs> I was gonna say it had nothing to do with that. No, no. In 1985, I guess that a lot of people preferred Pepsi over Coke, which they if were you, incorrect, which if you don't know. The difference. I mean, I, I'll drink a Pepsi if it's presented to me, but the, there's a major difference between them. Pepsi is significantly sweeter, and it tastes a little more syrupy. And it's gross. Yeah, that too. Uh, but I guess people preferred that, so Coca-Cola is like, hey, let's make our thing sweeter. And people were just like, no, get it on my face. Uh, moving on with this. Ice cream chain Bastion Robbins started offering Stranger Things-inspired menu items in the months prior to the season's release, and at the launch of the third season, several Bastion Robbins stores across the United States and Canada were made up into the fictional Stoops Ahoy ice cream parlor in the show for about two weeks. Fast food chain Burger King started serving special-themed upside-down Whoppers as a reference to the upside-down including special edition items sold at 11 special locations in the weeks leading up to the premiere. I <laughs> see what they did there. See, 11 special Anyway, they sold special ketchup packets displaying a nose in reference to the nose bleeding from 11. Burger King also promoted the restaurant commercials, cups, and boxes in a special 1980s theme as a tie-in with Coca-Cola. The restaurant was also featured in the food tour of the Storecourt Mall. In the week leading the Stranger Things release, Microsoft teased Windows 1.0, the company's first graphic operating system introduced in 1985. 
Microsoft released this mocked version of Windows 1.0 as an app from Windows 10 on July 8, 2019. The app features a similar interface as the original software, with various Easter eggs to the television series scattered throughout the app. And, ready for this one, Kate? Netflix partnered with Epic Games to include Stranger Things tie-ins into Fortnite Battle Royale around the premiere of the third season. Because Fortnite fucking crossovers with literally anyone, they're literally just now crossing over with Dragon Ball Z. Fortnite sucks. Actually, like, contra, no, this is a hot take. I've actually been kind of a little bit more interested in Fortnite recently. Ever since they introduced that zero build mode, because apparently, I guess this is a mode where you can go in. It's like their normal, like, you know, take, you know, 100 people drop in, you gotta be the last one standing. But the zero build mode, you don't have to worry about building everything, which I hated doing because I never, I was never good at it. So if I can just drop in and shoot people, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A video game. A video game adaptation titled. <laughs> what? I just. <laughs> For some reason, you just it just registered in my brain that you're like, if I could just drop in and kill people, then yay. And I was like, mood. Like, if collectively as a country we could just drop in and just take out. I mean, that would solve the world problems, you know? A video game adaptation titled Stranger Things 3 The Game was released hours after the third season premiered on July 4th, 2019. It was developed by Bonus XP and published by Netflix. The game was criticized by reviewers for being an exact scene-by-scene replica of the seasons. And you have a problem with that? I mean, it's a it's a adaptation it's a video game adaptation of season three, so I would expect it to be just like the season. You know, do it like scene for scene. But I mean I did re-download it because I was actually reading this off earlier and I did re-download this game, so I'll definitely check it out after I play through it and probably let you guys know what I thought of them and the uh in the next episode so to wrap up this episode i guess i would have to say i definitely have said season three is my favorite out of you know the the three the four right now season three is definitely my favorite because season four there's still like there's still a lot i have to process about it so as of right now season three is definitely top for me like it's the one that really got me hooked on season three like i was already I mean, me and Kate, we were already really hooked into season three, or into Stranger Things, watching season one and two, but season three is where I knew, like, alright, this is big, this is gonna be, this is a big show, like, this is, like, top tier, this is gonna be remembered for years, but I absolutely love season three, season three was huge, it had a lot of great moments, it had a lot of great music in it, and I absolutely loved it. What did you think of season three, Kate? It was good, not great. I'm just kidding. Um, I feel like, okay, so I'm not really kidding, though. It was a good season. Like, it slapped, don't get me wrong, but I just, I can't get over the pacing issues. And the rat thing, I felt like, was a little unnecessary. But also, season three, season one and two were good, but like you said, season three was where I was like, okay, well, this is gonna be a big deal like i had been hearing about stranger things for years before this and i was like i really thought it was just like a dumb kids show i was like "Mm, not gonna be into it and then halfway through season three i was like why did we start watching this so late (laughs) (laughs) but um so far season four is my favorite but season three was good 
interesting. Yeah, no, season three, definitely great. Uh, like I always say, if you guys haven't checked out Stranger Things yet, definitely check out Stranger Things. It's it's a really great show. I mean, it's taking over. Like right now, me and Kid are eating Domino's, and recently for their advertisements, they've been doing stuff based off of season four of Stranger Things. Like on their box right now, it says mind ordering because there's an ad for Domino's that feature uh, Gat Matarazzo and Caleb McLaughlin as Dustin and Lucas, and it's like the lights flicker in a Domino's and the dust is like, what if somebody could order pizza with their mind? And then Domino's is like, well, now you can with the mind ordering app. Domino's, you know, whatever their slogan is. But yeah, Stranger Things, Stranger Things is taking over. And if you are into it now, you know, get started on it. I mean, if you enjoy it, I'm not forced you to watch it, but go ahead. But I think with that, I'm going to call this an episode because I'm sweaty and I've been talking about Stranger Things for a long time, and I need a break right now. But, you know, until next week or whatever. <laughs> but with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you want to let me know, you know, some things about Stranger Things or give me episode ideas or you just want to talk, link trees in the description. Also in the description, I'll put the link to uh, the wiki because, you know, there's a lot of things you want to check out there. I might or might not. I forgot it last episode or... I may or may not, who knows, whatever. But yeah, just go to Lintry, you know, click around, follow social medias or whatever. You know, new episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday, so make sure you like, follow, do whatever. With that being said, I'm going to call this episode here. Drink plenty of water. I'm Cameron. And as always, I will see you guys in the next episode. Nerd out.